Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Providence Journal's College Basketball Podcast. This is Bill Koch, sports writer for the Journal, uh, from my Warwick home on Zoom with my two co-conspirators. It's a lovely Tuesday morning here outside my condo in Warwick, uh, joined by the sports director at ABC6 and the weekend co-host of Cordish and Coit on WEI Providence. Nick Coit, ladies and gentlemen. Coity, how are we living? Living good, Bill. Just trying to get to the holiday. I think that's what everybody's trying to do right now. Same here. My favorite holiday of the year. The next few days can't go quickly enough. Uh, also joined by the sports director at Fox Providence and WPRI, Maury Hirsch-Gordon. Maury, how are we doing, babe? Man, I think this is the best sports week on the whole calendar. You've got Feast Week. We've got the World Cup now. We've got Thanksgiving football. We'll all be busy Thursday morning with high school football. Uh, some listeners on this podcast might think next week is with URI and PC to cap the week. But... Um, Oh, man, with the World Cup edition here in late November, it doesn't really get much better than this. There's not like a single window of time where there isn't some marquee matchup in some sport going on. Sadly, if you want to find upside in a dictatorship and uh, corruption, you could have the World Cup in November for the first time, which is exactly what we have. Uh, it coincides with Feast Week on ESPN. Uh, we are coming off uh, you know, several weekend tournaments, and, and now we're in the midst of the Maui Invitational, which is one of the best later in the week. We'll have the battle for Atlantis, which is another star-studded field. Uh, we also have the Phil Knight tournament, don't we, coming up uh, later this week, which which is the Nike-sponsored event, um, you know, featuring several heavyweight college programs, uh, including national runner-up North Carolina. Um, you know, so we've got really good uh, college basketball uh, time slots coming up here. Um, you know, we had a, a bit of a showcase locally over the weekend at Mohegan Sun, the Hall of Fame tip-off tournament. Providence was in that one, and it was an empty weekend for the Friars. Uh, dropped a pair of games against Miami on Saturday and then against St. Louis on Sunday. Uh, you know, guys, I, I know you you checked in on both of those games. Uh, I want to just, you know, Coit, start with you. Maybe any overarching themes that you saw out of two losses from the Friars there to the Hurricanes and Billikens? Yeah, um, I think they're just they're still searching uh, for things. They're still searching for um, lineups. I think that you know can consistently play well together. Um, I think that was evident in the fact that you know Ed Cooley uh, was trying to make you know certain decisions on certain guys and trying to get you know less guys on the floor, particularly obviously Alan Breed in that second game. Um, you know, not getting the the minutes. And um, so I think there's some searching going on there still. Um, it's obvious that they have, uh, you know, a lot of talent. Um, but until they, you know, find some combinations that work well together and until that the defense comes along uh, the way that, you know, an Ed Cooley team typically, you know, can defend, um, you know, you're going to have days like you did with the the St. Louis loss where, you know, you're up 13 points in the second half. You can say everything you want about the officiating late in the game. 
you had a 13-point lead in the second half against a team that you should beat if you have that kind of lead in the second half. So um, there's some there's some growing pains going on. There's some searching. And this is something we said, guys. Like, be patient. This is not last year's team. It's not last year's team. It's not going – they could get to that potential of something like that, but it's going to take a lot of time because these are new players, these are new faces, uh, and they're all trying to come together here. Yeah. Yeah, two really tough losses um, on a number of aspects. I think the talent's there. We can agree on that, uh, especially with Bryce Hopkins. I think you found a guy who we all knew could do this, but he really had to go out and prove it on the court. You know, yeah. he, he he comes out and his first five games, he's been in double figures, but the first three were against some weaker competition. You know, what would it be like when you go to a tournament, you're on you a national audience, you're playing against a team who was in the Elite Eight last year, a team who – should be in the NCAA tournament this year in St. Louis. And Bryce Hopkins was efficient, was strong, and 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 popped uh, at times and showed you why he was, you know, uh, a, a big star recruit coming out of high school and, and began his career at Kentucky. Not only is he scoring and he's scoring efficiently, he's rebounding the basketball. He's at eight and a half rebounds. He grabs nine in the second game, eight in the first. So uh, turnovers might be the only thing that uh, that I criticize on Hopkins' part uh, right I'm, now, I'm, but I can barely get reception. Um, you need but a coming network. out right now, um, I would definitely say that uh, PC found PC found their uh, their uh, their go to score. Um, that's the autoplay there on ESPN. No dogs this week, so we got We got to have ah. some type of uh, distraction here. I I hate the autoplay on ESPN. Oh, that, it, it kills me in the office all the time. I'll have the speakers up, and all of a sudden you'll hear, you know, Lemu, Emu, and Doug, and it, it'll just blast <laughs> through my office. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I Yahoo does it at times. Baseball Reference does it at times. Uh-huh. I'm like, come on, guys, I don't want this. Like, <laughs> stop, you know. I'm that weirdo on the train to Grand Central or like, you know, wherever. I'm just like, sorry, everyone. Yeah. That's the autoplay. And I don't know how to shut it off. Like, <laughs> you know, just that was that was Bryce Hopkins game log up on ESPN.com. There you go. You, well, it, it would have had a lot more to say if it was Bryce Hopkins game log, because as you mentioned, he was very active over two games. Uh, you know, I watched Miami, uh, you know, in that game, he's playing point forward in the second half, essentially. Uh, they had the ball in his hands a lot. The six turnovers are a result of that. You have big guys handling the ball. They're not all going to be Lamar Odom. It's it's a very big ask uh, for him in his fourth game at Providence to try to run the offense. But they had reached the point against the Hurricanes where they needed something. Uh, the two areas where they really got hurt, they're minus 12 points off turnovers, minus 12 second chance points against Miami. Uh, those were two killer areas in the box score in that game. They did not clean up the defensive glass, and they did not take good enough care of the ball to beat Miami. Uh, the second game against St. Louis, that's a game they should have won. You're up 13 early in the second half, 15 minutes to go. You go 8 for 24 from the field from there. I, I understand that you know there will be a lot of focus on, on the block charge call on Uri Collins at the end of the game. I get that. Uh, you know, Ed Cooley was not happy about that. And I understand it. Um, you know, and I get why fans would gravitate to that, but that game was lost well before there and should not have been, um, you know, and I look at that game and I think back to the game the day before, uh, they lost the lead in the first half when Ed tried to go to the bench a little bit, um, you know, and tried to get his second unit some run. I look at the second half against St. Louis he had three players play all 20 minutes. Jared Bynum, 
uh, Devin Carter, and Bryce Hopkins. You could say that's the circle of trust right now. Uh, Ed Croswell played 14 minutes. Big guys aren't going to play all 40. Clifton Moore spelled him for six. Uh, you had Noah Locke and Corey Floyd uh, cover the other 20. Um, you know, And what happens? You get into the last eight minutes, the last four minutes. You're playing the second game in two days against a team that could be in the NCAA tournament. You get tired. You get tired, you run out of gas. Where do the legs hurt the most on the offensive end? Uh, Providence couldn't make a shot going down the stretch. Uh, you know, So I think we saw really early on uh, Ed realizing he wanted to get a split. He had a certain idea going into that game on Sunday to keep it tight. Um, you know, as Coit mentioned, he did not play Alan Breed, which, you know, for me, Alan Breed's had two years and, and a little more to carve out a certain role on this team. If, if it was obvious to Ed Cooley that Alan Breed should be playing 20 minutes a game, he would be. Um, you know, same thing with, uh, you know, any of the other guys off the bench. You know, I know people want to see a lot more of Jaden Pierre. I understand that. He's a freshman. It's tantalizing. If Jaden Pierre plays at the same time with Jared Bynum, you are really small at the defensive end. And you have a freshman out there learning on the job against two NCAA teams. Small sample against Miami and against St. Louis. You liked it. How would it look over 20 minutes, 25 minutes? I'm going to trust that Ed has a better idea of how it would look over 20, 25 minutes than I do. Um, you know, so I think, yes, he's frustrated with the call, but I also think he's frustrated with the fact that they let one get away and he knows it. That would have been a nice resume win early. You figure St. Louis would be good in the A-10, uh, contending for league title there. Um, you know, and obviously Providence doesn't have many more chances in the non-conference. The schedule isn't that great. You play at TCU, which is a resume game. Uh, URI struggling. That would still be a nice road win. We we know it's going to be a difficult game. Um, you know, but other than those two, uh, you don't really have much in terms of, you know, trying to build some credit here before the Big East starts. No, they. Um, it's getting late early uh, in terms of, you know, an out-of-conference resume. It really puts a ton of pressure. We'll get to it next week before they play on Wednesday down in uh, at TCU. But you really needed the St. Louis game for a number of reasons. And it's not like that game is, even is a marquee win. You know, you, you are playing in the Gavit games this year. Um, so you didn't have that opportunity like the team had last year at Wisconsin early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you happen to lose that TCU game, which they definitely will not be favored going into at this point, um, I think a road win at URI is, is you know, it's a, it's a pretty poor out-of-conference showing. Not, you know, uh, not to their fault, um, you know, because they, they did play well at certain times, but Ed Cooley chose to go with a lot of cupcakes, a lot of home games, as opposed to, to maybe giving them an extra chance or two. Uh, maybe he thought URI would be a little bit better than they were. You know, I, I guess maybe that was a little bit on, of the line of thinking as well. But if 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 Providence goes into the non to the uh, to the conference portion of their schedule with just the win at URI, uh, they're going to have to win two or three more games than they probably expected in Big East play. Than if you had at least beaten St. Louis and URI on the road, you lose. Okay, Miami and TCU would be NCAA tournament teams. Sure, somebody could maybe, you know, take that. You know, you've beaten St. Louis on a neutral court. But, no, now it's going to be really tough. You know, if they thought they could go 11-9 and and squeak in with a couple non-conference victories, if you only get URI 
And you got to see, you know, which games they win. You might need 12 or 13 in the Big East. Yeah. Uh, you know, to piggyback yeah. off that, I, I think I think Ed knew this was going to be a largely new team. I think that's why he scheduled the way it did. I, I think he wanted to ease these guys in. Um, you know, and you can have the debate about whether or not that does them any favors. You know, whether or not you would rather – I mean, that's that's a big philosophical question. Would, would you rather have guys have confidence going into the Big East, knowing it's going to be a strong league, knowing that – you know, if you win 12 games, you're, you're probably going to be in March, at the very least in Dayton to start, um, you know, or should you challenge them and bloody their nose a little bit early and maybe they lose some confidence going into the Big East. And and now, you know, you might struggle coming out of the gate playing at Seton Hall right away. See, Shaheen Holloway has got his alma mater all fired up. You get crushed on the road and it's like, where are we going here? You know, this isn't working the way we thought it would. Um, you know, so there is a delicate balance there. I don't necessarily know if they have found it with respect to how the committee will treat them. Um, you know, Coit, I'm just curious, you know, obviously they've, they've got Merrimack coming up here. Uh, you know, they've got Columbia coming up here, you know, a couple breathers before they get to TCU. But what do you feel like you need to see over the next couple games to, you know, maybe make you feel a little better about what happened this weekend? I guess just progress. Um, in terms of finding, you know, I mentioned the, the consistent lineups. I mean, you you have a lot of talent. You have a lot of guys that you're putting on the floor. What's the thing we always talk about with Ed Cooley teams? It's roles and guys knowing their roles, guys knowing when they're going to be on the floor, guys knowing when they're going to contribute, how they're going to contribute. And I think there's a little bit of searching for that going on right now. And hence why, you know, we talk about, you know, some of the out-of-conference out of games here, but I think that's why Ed Cooley, he's not panicking because – Okay, so you you know you don't pick up anything. Yeah, you you're gonna have to do some work in conference play, but knowing how Ed Cooley's teams work, how they consistently improve throughout the year, typically, you know that they peak in February, going into March. You know, at least the the teams that have made their their runs respectively, um, you know that that's the goal for this coaching staff because they've done it before and they want to try to do it again, and so. You know, I, I think they're going to be looking for guys to step forward into certain, you know, roles. And again, finding combinations on the floor that work well and seeing progress, particularly defensively, um, you know, because there were a lot of breakdowns in that second half with St. Louis. It was just too many, too many times where they'd get a basket. I'm thinking, I can't remember which sequence it was, but they get a basket and then all of a sudden they go down the, the other end of the floor and there's somebody open underneath the basket for, you know, an easy layup. And it's just like. You can't do that. You know, you can't do, especially against a team like St. Louis when you're up double digits. So, um, you know, to me, I I think that the most important thing is seeing improvement from somewhere, someplace, somehow, seeing somebody step forward. You know, we've talked last year, we talked about how, you know, we st started to see a lot of that meshing together, the Texas Tech game. You know, we see Ed Croswell have a big performance and we're like, oh, okay, well, Looks like this is the guy that's going to come off the bench and, you know, grab them rebounds and give them a spark and give them points there, you know, behind Nate Watson. Like you, you started to see all of that. And we had seen it a little bit early, too, with some of the other guys in the starting five. But, um, you know, that's that's the kind of improvement. That's the kind of thing that they want to see, you know, going forward here the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and ideally we will start to see that Wednesday night at Merrimack at home, a 7 p.m. tip downtown. At the AMP, uh, start your Thanksgiving preparations accordingly uh, around that one. 
Uh, you or I taking its own step up in class this week there at the Cayman Islands Classic. We obviously are not. Boo, sad face. I know Maury would have enjoyed that one. For sure. That would have been, man. <laughs> it's on, funny. On, top, on top of the best week on the calendar to be at Cayman. I know. It's funny. It's I, I had to I had to look again, and I was like, where are the Cayman Islands on the map? It's like smack dab in the middle of the Caribbean. It's like, oh, yeah. oh. How great would that be? Oh. Pretty good, uh, you know, unless Monday night you were you were I Rams fan, uh, because they had a difficult yeah. one to start off against Kansas State, 77-57 loss, uh, a game where they were down 12 before the first media timeout and, and really never had a chance to get back in it. Uh, the Wildcats up and running quickly with Jerome Tang as their new head coach, uh, the former associate head coach. At Baylor under Scott Drew, uh, a national champion two years ago, uh, a guy who knows how to get it done. He he was part of almost 400 wins on that staff at Baylor. Somebody whose name you would hear every offseason as someone who should get a job, and and now he has. Uh, Kansas State's picked 10th in the Big 12. Last, Kansas State's got some dudes. If they're going to finish last in the Big 12, I'd hate to play against the rest of that league. My goodness. I'm watching that game last night, and and I'm thinking, wow, you know, if these guys are the last place team in the Big Twelve, the rest of that league is going to be absolutely brutal. Um, yeah, but you or I just sort of got steamrolled early. Uh, you know, never really got a footing until the second half, and by then it's just too late against a team like that. You you got punished. Uh, your best contributions really. Came from Ishmael Leggett. Uh, he had 13 points. He outscored the rest of his fellow starters. Uh, Brandon Weston had 10 and 10 off the bench, his first career double-double. That was encouraging to see him mix it up inside. Uh, and then Brayon Freeman returned from one-game absence, coach's decision. He had 11 points all in the second half. Uh, you know, finally started to generate some semblance of offensive rhythm at one point there, but too little too late. Uh, the Rams will play Tulane on Tuesday at 5 o'clock in a consolation game and then play either... Illinois State or Western Kentucky on Wednesday before they come home. Uh, guys, this just looked like one rebuild much further along than another. Uh, Rody just got jumped there in the first four minutes and, and really didn't have a chance. Yeah, no, I, I the, the kind of the kind of talent that you can recruit uh, at, at Kansas State when you're rebuilding, you know, as opposed to you know URI, I think that was obvious. A guy like Tomlin and his athletics, his athletic skill set, uh, the way that that guy can jump around. I mean, he had a dunk in the first half that was like, oh, oh, okay, all right. Um, you know, it's you're right. It's it's a different kind of rebuild. It's a different kind of talent that you can bring in there. Um, but yeah, Bill, I, it was obvious from the start that they, they were overwhelmed with what Kansas State was putting out there. Um, but I take some of the positives out of it. Uh, the fact that Freeman you know, scored 11 points in the second half, it's a good thing for you going forward. If if you're going to have success, if you're going to have any kind of success this year, you know, that's a young man that, uh, you know, Archie Miller has said they, they need to have right. And so it appears, you know, the, the coach's decision to sit him, he comes out. You know, it took it a little, took him a little while, but I think he he's once he got going, he got going, and that's a good thing. Having Weston have a double double like that, you need contributions from a guy like that. Um, you know, I've always been a fan of Ishmael Leggett, and you know, I think you need guys like that been around your program 
they've seen it all here so far, you know, going from one coaching staff to the other. Um, so, you know, I'm interested to see in the next couple of days, it's the Kansas state game was, was nothing that I didn't expect to see. Um, you know, I mean, like I said, the, the kind of talent that you can bring in uh, at a program like that, as opposed to URI, as they're building up here. And I think that's a conscious thing, too. You know, you, it's not like URI brought in a bunch of grad transfers and said, like, oh, boy, this is troubling. There's like a lot of guys with experience and they're not playing well. It's they're young guys on this roster. And, you know, I think you, you know, you need that if you're going to build it the way that Archie Miller wants to build it up here the next couple of years. Yeah, if you heard Archie Miller before the season opener and said it was going to be a really tough test against Quinnipiac, um, you needed to expect uh, a land basting against Kansas State. So um, just not even close in competition from the first couple teams they played uh, now to, to Kansas State. Um, Archie did say before they left for the Caymans that, you know, the only goal going in is to play one game. You try to win the first game. You worry about the, the, the next two later. I think he started to worry about the next two, you know, there in the first half because he plays 10 guys, 10 plus minutes. Uh, that's not the type of coach that he normally is. Um, you know, he usually has somewhat of a set rotation, somewhat of a good idea, but he saw once that game got out of hand, it would serve as, as um, good experience for a lot of guys to go play a, a power five team. Uh, and again, continue to see uh, what type of lineups and formations work. Um, within his roster. So I think he then sort of opened it up and uh, played guys, you know, a little bit longer than he probably had expected if they were in the game later. Uh, so he uses that as a chance to get everybody some playing time, uh, see some better competition. Now it'll be interesting to see what he does Tuesday and Wednesday, assuming they're in the ball game close and late. Um, you know, does the Brown Freeman, um, you know, stretch in the second half, earn him a little bit more trust? Does he play a little bit more, you know, down the stretch in a game two or game three, and they're still going to have tough opponents. Um, it, it's definitely a drop off from Kansas state to then Tulane and then either Western Kentucky or Illinois state. But, you know, when you are a top four or five team in the A-10 and you're expecting to uh, be in the, in the NCAA tournament, whether it be at large or compete for a conference championship, a team like Tulane, a team like Western Kentucky, Illinois state, those are all sort of in that same realm. So these are teams that you you aspire to be uh, in similar level conferences, maybe a little bit higher, a little bit lower, um, that you can play with game in and game out. So it'll be interesting to see what they bounce back with, and um, you know, can, can can they compete against these teams here that that you know they should be on their level, whether it's not this year or, or, or a couple of years down the line. Yeah, to that point, I don't necessarily know if if Archie Miller knows yet who his best five are. You know, in terms of how they play together. I think we got a little bit of a preview of his his crunch time lineup against Stony Brook. Uh, URI's first win last week uh, against the Seawolves. Uh, you know, that was a game that they played without Brayon Freeman, coach's decision. Uh, they wanted him to get a mental refresh after a real struggle in his first two. To Maury's point, we saw four guys play 30 minutes in that game. Sebastian Thomas played 38, Leggett played 36, Sam 35, Malik Martin 30. Uh, Lewis Hutchinson, the freshman, had a breakout night in that one. He played 25 and, and was on the floor in the second half. Um, you know, in my mind, though, I, the, my main takeaway from the Stony Brook game, and, and you know, congratulations to Archie on his first win, I thought he hit a three-run homer in the game. Uh, you know, not only did he bench his best player uh, for coach's decision and and communicate that very clearly to us and to his team that it was not 
some phony back injury or, you know, some phony hamstring injury. It was, no, we're going to reset this guy. He's really struggled. Um, you know, we, we want him to take a step back. Not only did he communicate that very clearly and, and make a very tough decision there, his replacement, Sebastian Thomas, played very well in the game. 13 points, 10 assists, his first career double-double. And you got to win on top of it. Uh, so Archie, I, maybe I should give him more. Archie hit a grand slam on that one, in my mind. I, I thought that was a fantastic bit of coaching by him. Uh, you know, a really good sort of program general type, uh, you know, early statement in 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 what is a rebuild, um, you know, a reset of the culture in Kingston. Um, you know, I thought it really showed that, uh, you know, he has a pretty good handle on these guys, on their pulse, uh, on what they may or may not accept. Uh, I took that as really encouraging. I think that's a great point. Uh, just, you know, with, with Freeman, um, you know, PR wise, like, look, he's a, he's a basketball coach and PR is secondary to coaching, you know, players, but the fact that he put out the messaging that he did, it was clear. It wasn't, you're not going around some phony something. He didn't get the Foxborough flu. He didn't say, look at the injury report. Like it was, it was straight by joke, but like it was straightforward. And, you know, if it works out here going forward, you know, the kid comes in against Kansas State in the second half as 11 points. If it works out here going forward and Freeman goes on an upward trajectory, it's going to look even better as you're going forward here. And it's just as for a guy that has been very, very buttoned up so far um, in Archie Miller to be that straightforward, clear cut uh, in that sort of messaging. Um, yeah, I give him a lot, a lot of credit for that because some coaches in some other places wouldn't be like that. It would be like, well, it was my decision and that's that. It was it was very clear. You know, sorry, I'm doing Belichick again. I was gonna say, whoever do you mean, Coy? <laughs> whoever do you mean? <laughs> yeah, no, who's the quarterback, Bill? Just taking it day by day. <laughs> right, right. The decision to bench Freeman was the best for the team. Yeah, that's what we would get. You're right. Totally. That's what yeah. we would get. We we uh, played the players who were available. Yeah. We played the players who gave us the best <laughs> chance to win. Right? All that stuff. I mean, you guys hear it a lot more than I do. Here, let me blow a snot rocket or two at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Maury, you have any thoughts on that? Just that uh, Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think we talked about that right after the game. Yeah. Uh, even before he came out uh, for the post-game press conference, we agreed that, you know, to make that type of move early on when you're still trying to gain the trust of um, your colleagues, your players, the fan base, uh, for it to all work out like that is a, is a kudos, is a, is a tip to him. Uh, and you like to see – I like to see aggression in the game. I like to see aggression coaching styles paid off, pay off. And um, to come out with – a pseudo bold move you know we're still early on where you right. know it's his ship and he knows he's got four or five years down the line he, he, he but yeah for, for to come out with a move like that and it to work and, and it to work out i think um it probably opened up the eyes of his locker room and said okay this guy's been around he knows what the hell he's doing uh they should have known that before uh but if they didn't then uh then this move pays off it's it's an early marker, uh, you know, hopefully along the road to something better for these guys. Uh, you know, as we said, they will play Tulane Tuesday, 5 o'clock. I think that's Flow Sports. Uh, Again. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Flow Sports, very expensive. I had the Varsity Network on last night with Stone Freeman and Chris Tassano on the call. Uh, you know, they were excellent courtside from the Gaimans. Uh, no those surprise. Those lucky guys got on the trip. I know Chris brought his family, and Stone is with the travel party. Uh, you know, so if you don't want to pay the $230 annual subscription to Flow Sports or the $30 a month for two games or whatever it is, uh, you can check them out online on the Varsity app or Varsity Network or Varsity Life. I don't know. I'm old. What do you, what do you want me to say? <laughs> Technologically, I have no idea. Um, another team in that part of the world or a little closer to it than we are, certainly Bryant has wrapped up their three-game Florida swing. Uh, and the Bulldogs went two and one. And and honestly, yes, you'd like to win all three, but I think winning two out of three is a decent start, uh, You know, especially since you lost the first one uh, to Florida Atlantic. Uh, 85-74, you come back and win the next two. Florida International, 91-85. And then Detroit, 98-88, Monday afternoon tip. Uh, you would assume that Bryant was home you know, probably late Monday night. Uh, you saw all five starters in double figures in that one. Doug Eddard had a breakout game, 23 points, 7 for 12 from 3. That's how he was billed as a shooter. Uh, Antoine Walker with 13 and 10, a double-double. We know from his time at URI that he is an athlete who can change the game in the paint if given the minutes to do so. Um, you know, looks like he is embracing his role on this team. Um, you know, and Bryant sitting here at, at four and one, um, you know, obviously a much better start than than last season uh, where they had some bumps. You know, obviously had Peter Kiss out at one point suspended, um, you know, really had some tough road games, you know, whether it was Cincinnati or Houston. Uh, and they do have a tough test coming up Saturday. At Syracuse, they also have Cincinnati and Tulane, uh, you know, Liberty and Towson on the schedule. So it will get more difficult. But for right now, I think Bryant's in a pretty good spot. I, I think if if you had gone back a couple weeks and said to Jared Grasso, hey, you're going to be four and one, and this is how your guys will have played in those games, I, I think he probably would have been pretty accepting of it. Yeah, they've, they've come out really well. Um, you know, it's something that Jared had talked about last year, just some of the bumps. Remember, they had like a – it was like a non COVID bug that went through the team and it was going through campus early last season. And like half their roster couldn't uh, travel for one of those games. It was just, it was, it was a tough go of it early and obviously credit to Jared and his coaching staff. Cause they got it together and got to the NCAA tournament last year. Um, but this is the kind of start I'm sure uh, that they wanted to get off to and going on this Florida trip, I think has been really beneficial uh, in terms of seeing growth very quickly from certain guys, you mentioned Antoine Walker. As great as Doug Eddard's, you know, shooting performance was, which when you have a night where he's hitting seven threes, Bryant's going to be really tough to beat. Yeah. But I, I, I think Antoine was really key in that in late in that Detroit Mercy game. You know, the fact that he's putting up a double double, and you know, there may be nights where he quietly does that, but if he's doing that, that's a great thing for your team because you're right, Bill. You know, they brought him in for a reason, and he's doing the things that they envisioned. Uh, monster on the glass, um, and he'll get his points, but that that's what they really need him to do is, is grab rebounds, and the fact that he was doing that late, um, he had a key putback, I think, that put them up five with three minutes to go. Um, yeah, that's 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 really great to see from, that, uh, from him. Um, you know, and I think the obvious thing, too, um, you know that Charles Pride at some point is going to have a Charles Pride game or, you know, or two or three or whenever here. Um, you just know how good he is. Um, and then the other thing, too, that jumps out to me is just the athleticism that Earl Timberlake has. 
that is something that Bryant, as they are still a young Division One program, right? Earl Timberlake's kind of upside and athleticism is not something that Bryant University is going to get very often. No. Um, and it's really impressive at certain times. You're like, whoa, you know, he he really pops. And so to have him on this team, yeah, Brian, I think early on is is coming together probably better than than the other three teams, I think, in the state. I think they're defining what they are really early and finding an identity. Yeah, they are. Antoine Walker is a complete microwave. He, he was that way at URI, his final season there, his final two seasons. I mean, the guy just is probably one of the smartest players in terms of uh, the four, four teams in the state. He, he, he just knows where to get the ball. He knows where to finish. He finishes at a great rate. Uh, he puts up, I mean, even his numbers just in Florida here. I mean, 18 points in 18 minutes against FIU, 13 and 20, 13 and 25. I mean, you know, he just he 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 knows the soft spots on the floor. He knows where to get to, and he and he and he finishes. Um, a couple other things with me is you, you lose game one from a bigger picture. You lose game one, then you're down at half to FIU, mm. who's a bottom tier uh, conference USA squad. And then to have the grit and the toughness. I know Jared mentioned it post game um, uh, when I was listening back. You know that really shows me more than than any win could. Um, because of the way they had to go out and get that that result. Um, they, they went on the road. Uh, after being on the road for four days, you know, you've played three halves of basketball and to come back, that shows me that, you know, they've got the leadership, they've got the type of mentality, they've got the experience all on that roster, um, which is all that we expected beginning of the season. But then to see it actually happen in November uh, on the road against teams from better conferences – uh, was definitely eye-opening and surprising and, and impressive. Um, you know, like Coit said, you know what you're going to get from a lot, from a few of these players. You see the body that Earl Timberlake has. You see um, Doug Eddard. You know, Jared Grosso is still having the same confidence in him after shooting one for seven the night before. He comes back and uh, and he puts in seven three-pointers there against Detroit Mercy. But, um, you know, Bryant challenged themselves. Jared will always challenge, you know, his squads in the non-conference. He's been very outspoken about that. Um, and you know, Florida Atlantic was picked fifth in conference USA, one point right behind fourth. So, uh, and they're behind three really good teams, uh, in, in UAB, Western Kentucky, and, uh, I believe North Texas. So, right. Uh, yeah, those are, those are, um, three, three great games that I think will, will, will help Brian out a lot. And, and now they're going to have a ton of confidence going into Syracuse, a place that they, that they thrived a couple of years ago and nearly pulled out a win. We'll be gentle on the cues, Maury. Uh, you know, that's all right. We stink. <laughs> hey, no, that's all right. He's a Hall of Fame coach. Jared's a nobody. You know, all that stuff. <laughs> I, I, I had I had the cues on uh, late Monday night. Uh, life and death with Richmond in that one. Rebuilding Richmond. Tyler Burton was basically the only guy I recognized from last year. And I thought, oh, my goodness, don't do this, Syracuse. Really, uh, just, just please don't do this. Yeah. I was thinking of you, Maury. I, I was. Oh, there's no better feeling than uh, when your head coach says you're an NCAA tournament team and you struggle with a bottom tier A10 squad on a neutral eesh, court. Eesh. I think though, going going back to your analysis, Brian, I I think what you hit on there overall is is culture, and it's a word that we throw around a lot and coaches throw around a lot, and you know you say good programs have it and, and struggling programs don't. Um, you know, Brian's culture. I, I think you know all the stuff that you mentioned there. I think if you encapsulate it in one word. 
that's who they are. And, and, you know, I don't think Jared cares if you like him or if you don't, or if you like his team or if you don't, um, you know, they're going to be who they are. They're going to be authentic to themselves. Um, you know, and at times that's going to serve them really well when you get to, you know, competitive places in the season or in a given game. I, I look at Detroit guys and I see the top end of Brian's offensive range in that game, 25 assists, nine turnovers. Yeah. They averaged 1.48 points per possession. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Now you're not going to lose too many games doing that. Uh, you know, especially not at the pace they played. Detroit actually got the game slowed down. And Bryant just slaughtered them in the half court. I, I mean, really, very, very surprising. Uh, you know, to uh, you know, not necessarily surprising, but uh, you know, just really impactful to to read that box score and see that at the end. It was it was very impressive. Yeah, and I think you just said it. Like you know, Jared's teams, you either you like them or you don't. They are they're going to be who they are. Hence, why I was just making the joke about the press conference from a couple of years ago after the Syracuse game, the near win for Bryant. Um, you know, I think that was a prime example of it a couple of years ago. Uh, and we're going to see that matchup again here with Beheim coming up. And I, I think it'll be interesting again, um, especially if Brian's going to be as efficient uh, as it was a couple of years ago going to the Carrier Dome. Yeah, and you know Charles probably going back home is going to want to have a game. Yeah, um, certainly be- is. That That's a good side, like, going into that game for sure. Yeah, Charles Pride, suburban Syracuse native. No doubt you know, guy who who didn't get a lot of recruiting attention coming out of there, and he's proven a lot of people wrong at this point. Yeah, uh, folks, Maury's going to dip out. He's got a personal engagement here. Uh, you know, Maury publicly on the pod, like to wish you and yours a happy Thanksgiving. Um, you know, give us give us a favorite dish from Thanksgiving. A favorite dish? Ooh, yes, I love um, I love corn pudding. That's Ooh, a nice. staple. At, uh, hmm. at my fiance's house. If we go back to my upbringing, um, I loved a Jello mold. So it, it it's uh, pineapples, uh, strawberry, cranberry uh, mold that serve cold, um, sort of in lieu of cranberry sauce. I'm not a big, not a huge cranberry sauce fan. Uh, so this instead was a little bit more um, sugary, uh, <laughs> probably more 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 childish for sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, jello mold, whether it's on toast the day after with your turkey sandwich, uh, whether it's as a side with your stuffing and turkey and mashed potatoes, uh, two of, two of the best sides. I'm a big sides guy. You can get turkey all year long. You can get ham all year long. This holiday is all about the sides. And I know you guys still have some hoops to talk about and you might get into this after, but. Oh no, we will. We will. Load up your plate with more sides than uh protein because uh that's what this holiday is all about i i love it i love it nice. I think that's i think that's a really good take maury we will see you shortly yep. see you guys, uh, guys. coity we will soldier on to the brown bears uh i know you and i and and actually maury was there as well the other night at the pistola center where brown got their first win of the season uh you know and it was a a needed breakthrough for mike martin and his crew uh, Stony Brook, you hear about those guys a lot on this pod because they do make the Rhode Island circuit this year. Uh, you know, Brown was a winner in this one, 64-53, uh, a bit of a grinder to be sure. Um, you know, but saw some of the young pieces from Brown really assert themselves in this game. Uh, Nana Wusunane had a, had a nice night, 16 points, nine rebounds, five assists. Uh, Tamanang Cho is sitting behind us. On media row says uh <laughs> Nana is Tamanong 2.0. I said that's high praise, T. 
I said, really, you're, you're going to put that on him right now? And he said, Bill, he said, I think this kid is really special. He said, I think he can be really good. And coming from one of the best players in recent Brown history, that is high praise indeed. Uh, Kalu Anya, another guy who flashed 11 points, 10 rebounds, his first career double-double in his fourth college game, uh, you know, an undersized forward, but great wingspan, athletic, a quick leaper. Uh, you know, I know at times in the second half, he had a couple putbacks where it wasn't his first jump. It was his second jump on the offensive glass where I said, wow, that happened fast. You know, he's down on the floor and back up before the rest of the guys in the paint uh, had an idea what was going on. Uh, and then you get a good second half from Keno Lilly. He's obviously the guy who you're going to need to carry this team a bit. He had 19 points. Uh, you know, that was a game, uh, team high in this one. Um, you know, but good for Brown to get off the schneid. Uh, you know, I know they they struggled early. Uh, you know, they were competitive against Colgate in the second half. They were competitive against Loyola, Maryland, despite uh, a boatload of turnovers and, and missed free throws. Uh, you know, and they finally got rewarded against Stony Brook. Yeah, a great competition that they saw early on, Bill. Um, you know, so I, I think they were they're going to be battle tested as we go forward here. You know, there's no shortage of uh, you know. Uh, tough spots that they've seen so far with Vermont Colgate. Um, but it was to see them, you know, nice to see them get rewarded. Um, I thought Nana's impact on the game um, was huge, uh, particularly, you know, the way that they were being defended by Stony Brook. You know, you're breaking breaking a zone by going into Nana, um, you know, and, and that really set up, you know, a guy like Keno who, you know, credit to Keno for knocking down the shots in the second half. Um, you know, but I think Nana's performance really, um, you know, maybe wasn't, you know, it was good numbers wise, but probably better because of how he set up, you know, a guy like Kino uh, with the open looks that he got. I, I loved Kaluani in this game. Uh, I've talked with him briefly in the broadcast afterwards. Seems like a very confident kid as a young player. And you're right, Bill, the athleticism stands out with him. The coaching staff saw it in, in camp. Uh, and now you're seeing it on the floor and early on too, if you're going to get these kind of performances, then, Oh boy. Okay. You know, you've got something here with a young guy like Anya with a sophomore, like Lily um, and with a guy like Nana in the middle there. Okay. You've got some things that, you know, you can build around and you're going to get good nights too from other guys. You know, Paxson Wojcik is going to have nights where he's going to step forward and put up a lot of good numbers. Dan Friday, you know, they they didn't have him for this game and he's a guy that's tough, physical guard. He's going to bring you something different. So, um, you know, I I think Mike likes this team a lot and you can see why. There's a lot of good traits to a lot of these players and on nights where it really comes together like it did against Stony Brook, you're, you're going to be happy with the kind of wins and, and kind of performance that you get. And Mike had a big smile on his face afterwards. And I don't blame him because his team played played really well. He he did. And, and you know, I think Mike's been around a long time. I think he understands, uh, you know, that teams, even when they play well and, you know, coaches can say you guys played well, you did this well, you did that well, you need the validation of a win. That's what these kids want. Yeah. That resonates most with them. The fact that we won on the scoreboard, they lost on the scoreboard. You know, I don't want to hear that my turnovers were great or, you know, that uh, I had eight assists or, you know, I had 10 rebounds or whatever else. Did we win or did we lose? That That's that's what we do in college sports. It's a lot easier to play bad personally 
when your team wins, you can still go back to the dorm and say, well, I had a tough night, but we got it done. I'll be better next time. Um, you know, and that that can get difficult, especially with a young group like Mike has. Uh, you know, it would be easy to get frustrated and say, you know, as a player, not Mike, but as a player, it'd be easy to get frustrated and say, man, this just is not working. You know, what do we need to do here? Um, that has not happened at Brown, which is a good thing to see. Uh, you mentioned Anya. Worcester native, but played at IMG Academy. There's some good competition there, obviously. I, I think about Trayvon Duvall, Duke guard, who came out of uh, IMG Academy, who was a big prospect, obviously. Um, you know, there, there's a list of guys who, who have come out of IMG. Uh, you know, Nicola Kelly, actually, former URI forward. Oh, took yeah. a post-grad year at IMG. Um, you know, that is a a sports factory, uh, you know, for, for guys uh, – you know, former Hendrickson quarterback David Lynch is there right now, uh, you know, looking to play college football. Took a post-grad year at IMG. I think Chris Wanky is in charge of their quarterbacks there. Uh, former really? Florida State and Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I think so. Old man Winky, huh? Old man Winky. Was was played played minor league baseball and then, uh, you know, went back to the Seminoles when he was, what, about 25, 26, right? He, he was an old guy. He was an old guy. Yeah. I, don't, I had my fraternity weekend last weekend and uh it was it was nice to be back in boston with the boys for a reunion uh i did get a taste hanging around some of the undergrads of what it would be like to be the creepy old guy in college and uh, <laughs> it was interesting to say the least uh it was interesting uh i i don't know if i could live that life anymore uh and i don't know whether i should feel good about that or feel a little sad uh I, i'll be honest i i probably feel a little more sad than, than good about it <laughs> you're all grown up billy you're all i know grown it's up. i know it's a shame it's a shame and you know mike martin i'm sure will be thrilled when this group feels old like me uh you know because that means they'll be winning a lot more uh you know there is a lot more growth and development to come from these guys uh over the course of this year and the next couple um you know we look at brown and and we have uh, a three-game homestand coming up. Stony Brook was the first of those three. You have UMass Lowell on Wednesday night. That's a 7 o'clock tip. At the pits, uh, Sunday, they welcome Maine, a, a team near and dear to Coity's heart, obviously, uh, for an afternoon tip at the pits. Uh, and then we won't see Brown for a while Yeah. after that. Uh, they go on a long road swing. Obviously, Bryant and, and Rhode Islander are both in-state games. But other than that, Central Connecticut, Hartford, Michigan State on December 10th, leading into exam break. Uh, Coyte, these next two games, you know, pretty pivotal for Brown to to build some momentum here because that stretch that follows not going to be easy. No, definitely not. Um, and being on your home floor, it's a good opportunity for you to continue some of the good things that you did against Stony Brook. Um, you know, UMass Lowell comes in. That's a team that they've played, uh, obviously, in the past and um same with Maine Maine's in a in a rebuild though Maine got a really big win at Boston College so you know good good for that program up there we've talked about that that men's program before and just how difficult it is to recruit and get that thing going so um you know obviously they'll be hungry and looking for you know a win on the road um but Brown I think yeah you're right I think it's it's key that you you hold serve here on home court play well continue some of the good things that you did uh, against Stony Brook and you know you'll feel good going into you know that that really difficult stretch uh that the Brown Bryant game I think is going to be 
you know, fascinating to me. And I, I love that we're looking on the calendar and it's not just PCURI on the third, but the night before it's Brown at Bryant on the second. And I think that's going to be a really uh, intriguing matchup. We've seen how good Bryant has been so far, uh, the identity that they've carved out as we discussed. Um, but Brown is a, a gritty team that they go up 146. These two teams have, um, you know, had some good clashes before, and I think it'll be really good basketball. So you want to see both teams playing well leading up to it because I think it'll really, uh, you know, it, it'll really hype up the matchup. It was a very competitive game last year. Uh, Bryant rallied in the second half to win 65 59. Uh, you know, and that was the type of game that, uh, you know, there's nothing pretty about it for, for you look at Bryant last year and you look at all the scoring and, uh, you know, some of the blowouts they had and, and some of the times where they just got up and down the floor at, at breakneck speed. Uh, Brown played that game at their tempo, uh, played it exactly the way they needed to play it. Uh, Bryant was just able to execute down the stretch on a couple more possessions and and got it done. Um, you know, because quite frankly, Bryant was a little better than than Brown last year, just a little bit, um, you know, just a couple possessions better in key spots. Uh, that's how they ended up winning the NEC and going to the NCAA tournament. And and it's why Brown, you know, struggled in the Ivy League and and lost, you know, so many tight games. Uh, you know, it's just those one or two possessions, those fine margins. Um, you know, and so you're curious if, if Brown is able to do that to Brian again, if they're able to get them into the mud and, you know, sort of make them fight half court possession by possession, that'll be really interesting. Uh, you know, but obviously some, some business to tend to before that, um, you know, with UMass Lowell coming up, uh, you know, with Maine coming up, um, you know, those are, are two games that, you know, certainly they would like to win, uh, you know, and certainly two games that, that you would expect them to win. Uh, you know, Coity, on the women's side, uh, we have URI playing against Coppin State uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, coming off a week layoff, uh, URI's last game was against Providence, actually, at home. Uh, 74-72 win for the Rams. Uh, Maya Torre capped a, a really big night uh, with a bucket in the lane to, to decide that one late. Um you know, the Rams are two and one. The Friars are three and two. Uh, you know, the Brown Bears are three and two. Um, you know, and Bryant dropped a, a tight one last night to Loyola, Mar- uh, Loyola Maryland. I almost said Loyola Marymount. Loyola <laughs> Maryland uh, to go in, to go to two to two and three. Uh, you know, so quite the ladies off to a good start. Uh, the Friars and the Rams gave us a, a really good showpiece last week. Uh, you know, that was a game that was 50 to 40 at halftime. The Friars had to lead. Uh, they were white hot from the field, uh, you know, 21 for 29 in the first half. And then URI sort of brought them back to earth and gradually walked them down in the second half. You you could see, uh, you know, that that Tammy Reese culture, even though you have a different team, uh, those women are tough as nails and, and they reflect their coach. And, and that's certainly a game that is going to give them, you would figure, a lot of confidence going forward. Uh, that type of win against an in-state rival. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth in terms of, you know, a team being a reflection of its coach. Um, and and I think we saw that with with URI and making the plays that it did on its home floor late to earn that victory. Um, it was a really entertaining game um, both ways, um, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's great to see, um, you know, having a you know, a performance like Providence was putting out there in the first half. I think, yeah, that's it's really encouraging for the Friars if they can find stretches where they're going to shoot that well. Um, they're going to be really tough to beat. 
Um, and, you know, you know, some of the names, you know, some of the players there, um, you know, Janae Crooms is going to, you know, put out her best foot, uh, you know, every night, um, you know, so it was, it was great competition though. Um, you know, and for URI to get a win like that, I think that's, that's a nice notch on their belt, um, good notch on their resume. And, um, you know, particularly, uh, the way that Torre played late in that game, I think that was, you know, you've seen Lassiter, I think, step forward as well. She's been pretty good so far, um, you know, so and they didn't correct me if I'm wrong. They didn't have Magasa on the floor again, correct? Magasa, Ted and Magasa transfer from Dayton, 6'5", post player, has not played yet. Yeah, uh, She's still recovering from offseason shoulder surgery. They like they would they think she's going to be back in December. I know she is practicing at, at this point. Um, you know, I, I feel like we're going to see her any time now. Um, you know, we had a, a bit of a surprise return on the men's side with URI. Joseph Fatbalau made his debut um, against Kansas State on Monday. His initial timetable after shoulder surgery in June was uh, potentially December. I know he had been practicing with the team, uh, you know, had obviously progressed physically to the point where he was going full contact, and they just decided, all right, you're ready to go. You know, you passed all the tests, you've checked all the boxes. Uh, so the women could be getting a similar decision with Magasa at some point here soon. Uh, I know Providence is waiting for Kylie Shepard to come back. She hasn't played the last four games with an ankle injury uh, that she suffered in the opener. And, you know, obviously Providence not necessarily having a, a uh, you know, an NCAA non-conference slate, uh, you know, not really a, a – yeah, it's it's good for them to get experience, but it's not really. They didn't schedule like a postseason team. They're looking at the Big East and and what they can do there, and they're exercising some caution because Shepard's obviously a key member of that talented sophomore class that uh, sure. that they have. Um, you know, and you would think that if they had her extra hands and and her extra shooting in the second half against URI when they cooled off, uh, you know, that might have been a different outcome. Uh, a word on Krumskoit who. You know, I thought watching the URI game, she played 35 minutes. I, she is, she has gotten so much better in, in terms of the control she had of the game. Uh, you know, the fact that she's pretty much put the three point shot in her back pocket and has decided I'm going to play in the mid range and get to the rim because I generally am bigger and stronger than the people who are going to guard me. Um, you know, she was 11 for 16 from the field. She had five assists and only two turnovers. Uh, I thought if if they get that Janae Crooms every night, uh, they have one of the best players in the Big East. I, I thought she was terrific in that game against URI. She's a terrific player. I, I just I love her game. I said this early on in one of our other podcasts here. I just think she's tough. She's gritty. She's just she's the kind of player. Like if I'm starting a team, I'm like I want I want her on my team uh, because I just know she's going to do you know a lot to help me try to win a game. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised to see her stuff, the stat sheet, um, you know, the way that she has, but you know, yeah, it's just the toughness, the grit that you see from, from somebody like that. It's, it's really, really impressive. So URI has Coppin state Tuesday night, a 6 PM tip. You can listen to this pod on the drive down to Kingston. If you choose to make <laughs> it, uh, you know, the women's games down there, always a good take, especially if you have young kids, they can run around the Ryan center a little bit. Um, you know, they have a little more room than they would in a men's game, uh, but the product is is pretty good. Uh, you know, then URI heads to Florida this weekend. They're in the uh, UCF tournament, Central Florida hosting 
four teams. Uh, you or I will play Southeast Missouri State and Samford on Saturday and Sunday. Then they'll come back for two tough home games. Uh, you know, to lead off Buffalo and Maine. Those are two mid-major contenders uh, going into next week. Uh, you or I is certainly going to be pushed in those two games, and and you would think that. You know, if they'd like to give themselves a little latitude for March, you win both of those. You're in pretty good shape. Sure. Uh, a quick word here on on Brown because I did have a chance to to see them play. Yes. Um. You know, a, a reflection uh, of a team and its and its coach. I think you're seeing that right now with Monique LeBlanc. Um. You know, and, and some of the, uh, you know, some of the pace, some of the energy. Um, that Monique has as a coach. I think you're seeing it on the floor with her teams. Um, you know, we've talked about Bella Mauricio as a, as a, uh, as a, uh, you know, a key player for them, but really impressed with Kyla Jones. Um, I think she does a lot for that team. She stirs the drink, um, you know, and I, I, you know, I, I witnessed, um, you know, the victory at home over Sacred Heart. Um, and it was, you know, a, a good win. Um, again, a team, it was funny. I saw two straight nights where a team was trying to zone up on on Brown and, you know, Brown was able to defeat that. Um, and we saw it again, you know, with, with the women the night before the men played Stony Brook. Um, but Kyla Jones, really impressive. They have a freshman too, Grace Arnley, who I, I thought really played particularly well. She gets up and down the floor really, really quickly. Um, great contribution from her in that win too. So, you know, they've, they've got some, some good young talent on the team and, um, you know, it was nice to see them get a victory on, on their home floor and they're, and they're putting together a good stretch here, Bill. And that's, that's key for a, a young team that, you know, Monique had said it and the Ivy league and the preseason poll said it, you know, picked eighth in the league, like expectations are what they are, you know, whatever they are, who cares? Just go out there, play well, you know, put together a good year. And I, I, I think early on, you're seeing some good signs from the bears. As we've said previously on the pod, uh, that voting, that placement in the Ivy League gave Monique the chance every night this year to walk in the locker room and say, ladies, they think you're terrible. How do you feel about that? Yeah. You're going to do something about that? <laughs> Here's your chance. you got 40 minutes. Go ahead. Turn it loose on everybody else. The the two players you hit on quite obviously, Kyla Jones, the Ivy League Player of the Week, as announced on Monday. Uh, Grace Arnold, the Ivy League Freshman of the Week. Uh, as announced on Monday, uh, you know, Kyla Jones was really tough on UMass Lowell. Uh, she had 29 points in that game. Grace Arnley had four steals in that game, uh, average 15 points for the week. And and Brown is on a winning streak, three in a row after losing their first two. Uh, they welcome Monmouth to the Pizzatola Center on Friday for a 2 p.m. tip. Uh, so if you're out doing some shopping in Providence, maybe you want to duck out of the mall for a couple hours, uh, you could head up to the east side, hit up Thayer Street a little bit. Uh, you know, and watch the Bears against Monmouth. Nick Coy will be there. <laughs> I will be there. There you go, babe. On Doing the Friday again. Yeah. Uh, you know, then they are off to Central Connecticut State on a Monday before they welcome Holy Cross here uh, in the middle of next week in a mental awareness, uh, mental health awareness game, which we'll get more into a little bit on the next edition of the pod. That's so important. Uh, you know, at this point right now on on college campuses, uh, you know, some of the difficult times that we're having. Uh, locally and nationally on college campuses. Um, with that, we we spare a thought for the folks uh, in Virginia and in New Mexico, uh, you know, who have been affected by gun violence on campus uh, over the last week or two. Um, you know, we are reminded that 
Uh, this sort of thing happens far too often in America. It is uh, a uniquely American problem, um, the way we frame it, uh, you know, the way it occurs here. Uh, very difficult circumstances, obviously. And, you know, we, we know that these kids, you know, especially kids from Brown, uh, you know, are recruited from all areas of the country. Uh, you know, I know Tammy Reese tweeted a little bit about what happened in Virginia, her alma mater. Uh, you know, it is a small world. Uh, you know, the, the running joke all the time was that, you know, all roads lead to Rhode Island and, and, you know, you're going to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, um, you know, and unfortunately in, in cases like that, it is true. Um, you know, you are going to know someone who is connected to, to some of these things that happen. Uh, you know, and we wish the best for everybody and, and we'll get a little bit more into mental health, uh, you know, on Monday, uh, you know, but quite obviously that's something that I, I know Tammy tweeted about. We didn't get a chance to ask her about it at the post game, um, you know, but you feel for the kids, you know, you're coming out of COVID two years. It's, it's completely different experience than what we had in high school or in college. And, you know, now you deal with with things off the floor that, that you never should have to deal with uh, or off the court, you know, off the field that, that you should never have to deal with. Uh, you know, these kids get put through a lot, I think, a lot more than we realize. Yeah. Um, and that's why on a week like this, Bill, I, I just uh, I give thanks for, um, you know, what I have in my life, um, what you have in your life. Um, you know, that's that's what this holiday here is all about. Um and, you know, you appreciate every day that you have uh, the things that you have in your life that you can be you can be thankful for. Yeah, we are. Uh, I, I certainly have uh, a short list of things in my mind right now that, that go there immediately. Uh, you know, that's for sure. Uh, you know, the, the surface items are plenty of good food and, you know, plenty of great sports, college hoops, the World Cup, uh, football, whatever you have. Uh, it is a great time. We will have a Thanksgiving tournament here in Rhode Island. Uh, the Friar women are hosting the Friar Thanksgiving Classic, and they will welcome back an alum for that one. And Mary Burke, uh, her Bryant team, is in that tournament. Uh, they will play Providence, I think, on Sunday uh, to wrap up the event. Um, you know, I think that's an afternoon tip. Um, you know, and that'll be really interesting to see. Uh, you know, Mary Burke obviously playing against the Friars, a place where she had great success as an undergrad and is a Hall of Famer. I, I think that's always fun when you see a coach go up against their alma mater. I, I know we saw a real nice moment earlier in the year when TJ Sorrentine went back to Vermont and they honored him, uh, you know, prior to that season opener. Yeah, yeah, TJ Sorrentine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, hit some big shot. Yeah, whatever. So I TJ the other day, <laughs> TJ the other day actually uh comes over to the scorers table with Tyson Wheeler and Kimo Ferrari uh prior to the Stony Brook game. And Kimo is wearing a Tyson Wheeler t-shirt, throwback shirt. Stop it. Yes. Where'd he get that? I don't know. It exists. I think Tyson gave it to him. I think wow. he had an extra. A Tyson Wheeler URI shirt. Um wow. yeah, that was a custom logo on the front. Uh, and I said, TJ, you you were just up in Vermont, no T-shirts, and he said, I don't need a T-shirt, man. They know who I am. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah, 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 yeah. That's oh, my goodness, like, that's very on brand, TJ. Very good. Yeah, uh huh. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, 
We we get it. We get it. You're you're the man. We we know. <laughs> we know. We know. <laughs> it was it was nice moment. Uh, That's a great moment. Yeah. You know, but if, if you if if you happen to be at Brown on Wednesday and you run into uh, Tyson Wheeler, you can ask him about the shirt. Uh, you know, I will. That it's a uh, it was it was a classic for sure. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, Coit, we will wrap up the pod with uh, same thing. I asked Maury. Thanksgiving favorite parts, favorite dish. Uh, you know, for me, it is my favorite holiday. I will go last. Uh, but thoughts on thursday uh it's a great holiday um i always obviously work every year because of uh, shooting high school football but i don't mind it uh it's a good day uh we get out of work early as early as possible uh ian Steele and i um put together our show and get to go home and enjoy the rest of the day with family um you know i i know maury was all about the sides uh, I, I think my, my dad puts together a tremendous Turkey every year. And so I would, I go, I go the actual Turkey, uh, number one on my list because I think he does. Yes. You can get deli meat Turkey and you can get Turkey, whatever, everywhere. But like, this is Turkey, Turkey, uh, and it's really, really well done. So, um, you know, shout out to Dennis on the pod here. Uh, it does a fantastic job cooking that thing. Um, sometimes has to go through emergency measures. There was one year where, um, my parents didn't take the turkey out of the freezer, uh, and they had to they had to put it in the bathtub to thaw it out. And they oh got no, it, they got it done, Bill. They got it. It was amazing. I wasn't there to see the scene. My sister, I believe, was there to see the scene of them scrambling because we had people coming over for this turkey. So they've got the turkey in the bathtub in warm water, trying to thaw it out, whatever. And they somehow, some way. They got it done, and the turkey was phenomenal, as usual. So I go that turkey number one. the the uh, The other thing I'll mention too, um, you know, desserts are obviously a, a big part of the holiday. Uh, and I and I think of my uh, my grandmother Rosalie, um, you know, who you know is uh, is up above us now. She used to make a uh, a, a phenomenal apple crisp, phenomenal, mm. and it. it uh, yeah, I, I I think of her on this on this holiday too because she was somebody I was certainly thankful for. You warm it up and put a little ice cream on top and let it oh, melt in vanilla ice cream. You got it, man. You got it. Yeah, that's 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 a good one. Uh, yeah. You know, we don't do apple crisp on Thanksgiving, but do it some other times. And my mom is similar in that way. Uh, you know, for me, I, it is my favorite holiday of the year uh, by far. I and and I understand people might say, well, what about Christmas or you know, New Year's or St. Patrick's Day, uh, you know, yes, I, I like all those. But Thanksgiving for me is the best uh, simply because I, I think it is, uh, you know, the purest in terms of just spending time with your family. Uh, I think Christmas we get too lost in, you know, the gifts and what I'm going to get and going out shopping and, oh, my goodness, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, yes, a lot of preparation goes into that meal, and and I don't. I don't put that past uh, anyone. I, I know, you know, my mom has made Thanksgiving dinner since I can remember. And I know she starts on Monday or Tuesday, you know, making the sides, making the desserts. Uh, you know, I know it's a tremendous amount of effort for a short period of time. Um, but I think it is the best from the standpoint that you just sit around with family and and there's not presents to open. There's not other places to go. There's not worry about gift shopping or wrapping or how much you spend on whoever uh you know it's just a a chance to gather and and to reconnect uh 
Uh, you know, and obviously the jobs that we have, the sporting landscape being what it is, it is fantastic. Uh, I will be out at a game Thursday, probably Portsmouth and Middletown football. I, I think uh, that has some appeal. Uh, you know, I'll file a column from that and then head to my parents' house. Uh, favorites for me, stuffing for sure. Uh, my mom makes the stuffing with a little bit of spicy sausage. Outstanding chef kiss. Uh, you know, and then the chocolate cream pie for dessert. Uh, you know, you have chocolate cream pie, and put a little dab of, of homemade whipped cream on there. It is fantastic. Uh, I don't eat it any other day of the year. It's only that one. Um, you know, keeps it special. Uh, you know, but certainly my my favorite holiday of the year and, and one that I hope is good to everybody else uh, who listens to us. Uh, you know, Coity, will I will I see you in Kingston tonight for the URI women? Uh, yeah, I believe I'm going to try to hustle down there. Yeah, it's one of us. Ian put together the schedule on Sunday, and I think we had talked about me hustling down there because he's doing Patriots today. So, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Ho- hoping to get down there. Yeah, which would be which would be good. At the very least, uh, the Friars on Wednesday night. I'm gonna. Oh no, you'll be at Brown. You'll be at the sideline. I will. Brown. I will be. Yeah, I got to do. Uh, yep. I'm walking outside to do Moses Brown St. Raphael because that's a game that's actually on Brown's campus on the practice fields there. Yeah, they play at uh, the Denison Complex, right? Yep. Down, they play down, there. Burleson. Burleson. Burleson, yep. Burleson? Yes, yes, yeah. I'll double check that. Scott will correct us on that. I'm, I'm um, sorry. You guys donate a lot of money to get your name on that field, and I just mangled <laughs> it. I, I apologize. <laughs> Scott Cordishi, one of our faithful listeners, just just tweet at one of us the right name, please, because we're idiots. He'll let us know. I'm an idiot. I Please, please. He'll let us know. Uh, and, yeah, uh, that game's out there, and then I'm walking inside to do sideline for Brown, so it should be a fun night. Very good. Uh, you know, Coit, I wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, Dennis, Jane, Molly, they're they're wonderful people. Um don't tell them I said so. <laughs> <laughs> on record. But on record, they all see it. On record. Uh, but they yeah. they are. They are. Um, all of our listeners, we we wish you the same. We we hope uh yeah, it's a great time with family, a, a, a great period of abundance with with food and, and with the sporting landscape. Uh, you know, we hope this finds you well. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next week with two editions of the pod, our typical Monday, and then the big Brown Bryant URI PC preview uh, later in the week. Thank you all for listening. Happy. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.